0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Sophie Epstone, founder and CEO of Trekstock. We discuss Trekstock's journey so far, providing support for young adult cancer patients, and Sophie's learnings about the reality for people who suffer from the disease, both physically and mentally. Born out of the realization that there was a huge lack in support services for young adult cancer patients after a family friend was diagnosed with the disease, Sophie has been on a mission ever since to make sure young patients get the right type of help they need. Welcome to the Support Network.
1: I mean, the d- d- difficult question is Tom around still? or He is, yes. Ah, yes, fantastic. he is. And he's very well. Okay,
2: yeah. it's a happy yes. ending. Yes, it was a happy ending, definitely. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, that's mad. I mean, that's like a lot of things start sort of strangely in life. So, what's going on with it now? Where are you with it now?
2: So, um, the kind of the treks evolved, and the fundraising evolved. And in two thousand and nine, we started to register Trekstock as a charity. Um, which took quite a few months, and we were granted registration, which was amazing. And um, You
1: did well to do it in a few months. It's pretty I th- tedious, I though, think it charity. was a few,
2: yeah, a few. We've been doing one for I think you've
1: rise-tinted that, yeah, best part of a year. Maybe. Yeah,
2: maybe it was, maybe, yeah, a memory. Maybe it was longer. Um, and we, Mark Ronson became our first patron back then. Oh, fantastic. And um, back then, we I was really conscious not to duplicate services and not to do something that someone else was doing because there's all these amazing charities out there and I didn't want to kind of duplicate the great work that they were doing and make sure that we were filling a real need so got together a group of young people who became young persons panel and um had sessions with them did a needs analysis looked at what were the gaps in services what was it they needed and um It was fertility, it was nutrition, it was getting moving, being active, uh, treatment after cancer and support after cancer and building up your life again when treatment ends. Um, And so we started to develop services and then grew, slowly grew. Um, I mean, it was me at the kitchen table for a long time. And um, we grew, we brought trustees on board, and um, the charities developed over the years. And now we're, well, we're still very small, but we're a team of around six Um, And we support young adults with cancer nationally, uh, online and in person. What does that mean when you said he was in
1: hospital, Tom, and the services weren't set up for him? What do you mean by that?
2: So what happens in the UK is that there are some brilliant services for young people if they're diagnosed, when they're diagnosed as a child, as a teenager, and as they kind of get into young adulthood, so... Um, Teenage Cancer Trust and Young Lives Versus Cancer and these are cha- uh, charities that we work with in partnership and they do amazing things but what happens is when you reach your 25th birthday the services actually stop right. so you might be treated It's such a
0: weird arbitrary age mm, isn't it? It is. 25. It's kind of
1: when you become an adult in my Is it? Case. Yeah 18's when you learn to drink you know and drive uh, you know,
0: Not together folks well, just I mean, to you
1: know, You've got to work it out and 25 so that's supposed to be the time that I mean it's an arbitrary age but that is the date that they give you when your brain finally settles, supposedly, because you oh, really? go, yeah, because you go through employment. You, oh, a lot of people go to university and then you go into a job, and then that's sort of it. You're you're fully yourself once you're 25. Life started punching you in the face, and you thought, oh, maybe I'm not that special, you know. Yeah. That's mad. So you just fall off the travel route. Yeah, and
2: then it? if cancer stops you in your tracks when you're starting life
0: in that at that age, and you know relationships and uni and job. So everybody, all your mates are moving to London and getting their first flat, and you're moving home to your parents. Yeah, and if you're in
2: if you're in yeah, hospital wow. and you've been in that care, that ty teenage and young adult care um i mean the things that people tell us are that they either get a letter saying uh thank you very much but you're no longer under our care yeah. yeah um they you're, they're wheeled down to the adult world and suddenly they're with elderly people wow. i've had people say you know i was taken down to a chair yoga with old people and i was like <sighs> i'm a 20 something year old guy and it's just clearly not for me because
0: most people with cancer are gonna be that age group that kind of the retirees or, you know, later in life people.
1: I mean, we had a partner I mentioned that we lost at 35 and, you know, he was incredibly young in our view to get cancer. But I've I've got a couple of friends who have had two um, close... partners of very close friends, one's just got through it, you know. So it comes at all ages, doesn't it? It seems kind of weird that there was this gap, you know. It does,
2: but um, there's 34 people in their 20s or 30s that get diagnosed every day in the UK. Wow. And it's over 12,000 a year. And the thing in the UK that happens is if you're not near a main treatment centre, then it's a postcode lottery, so you might not get brilliant services. You might not, the thing that always kind of, just baffles me when people walk into our events and they go, oh, there's other people like me, I didn't know, I haven't met anyone else with cancer. And you think, but how? Because you're a young person with cancer and lots of people are diagnosed. Well, based on that, and, there must be wow. thousands in London. Yeah, and so sometimes they're not they're not meeting together they're not connected so that's what we do we help them find their way through we connect them when we get them moving and we inform them on the things that they need I mean I remember something that sticks in my mind is somebody that we've supported and known for a while she told me that she'd come to London she started working in a law firm actually and she uh, first job and she was she'd been there a few months and she was training to do a marathon And she started to get a pain in her calf and she thought it was due to down to a training. She started to limp and it basically got worse and worse and worse. And she had to pull out of the run. She went to hospital. She was moved straight to an isolation room and she had leukemia and she was in there for the next six months. And what she said was, I'd literally just moved to London. I'd started a job, but everybody else carried on. And so, you know, nothing else stops apart from your life in that space. And then it's how to pick up following you know when and people say to us as well you know the when the treatment ends it's sometimes the hardest part because everyone goes well done you've finished treatment you know how brilliant you've been through all See that Bye. Yeah. you know great and actually it's like late effects and the psychological impact and
1: i i watched this uh thing years back when they were talking about um how they used to treat people with mental health conditions and they'd like cut them open and just electrocute and they said they were asking "Oh, what do you think is as barbaric as you know what will they look back at and think is so barbaric now and he said this very famous uh, doctor was like what well, cancer treatment you know it's better than nothing but it's you know it's so sort of but you're
0: making people ill to get rid of the cancer yeah. and it you know it can never be that targeted so it's going to be horrible
1: but that being said, when, when news like that hits you, what what you need is a process. It's a bit like, why do you have funerals and things? It's like, it can be a really, sometimes it's a really odd thing, but there's this process of which cultures have come up with a way that this is how we go through. And It's when the funeral's finished, that's the difficult thing for the family because they have this kind of focus and they're going to do this thing and then there's this big coming together so I can imagine it being like a bomb dropping on you, but it's like there's um, an old phrase, the doctor is the drug. It's like you find out you've got cancer, you must be a complete mess. Then it's like you have a good doctor come and talk to you and then give you a plan. It's sort of like, okay, I've got a framework now, but then I guess I guess you, you've entered another world. So what, at the end of it, you're kind of like, well how do I start again sort of thing yeah is it? what
2: do I put on my CV how do I tell an employer?
1: Oh, yeah
0: you've know, basically well, lost yeah. a
2: year yeah. six months a
0: year of your life
2: yeah. do, you do you think
1: employers do? would look badly at that I think if someone said to me I've just been through cancer I'd be like
2: we've we've just done this well we're doing this series this ongoing series called lifting the lid where we lift the lid on topics that the community tell us they need and there's dating sex and relationships um, working in cancer and people God, dating of course like everything where people are saying you know what, you know, do I tell somebody on a on a date? Do I tell my employer? How do I? Because you know, if you were interviewing
0: work. people, I know you shouldn't, but you're interviewing somebody and they say, "I'm," you know, "Why are you looking for this job?" Well, I've just had cancer. I've just come out the other side, and now I'm looking for a job. You're gonna think maybe I choose somebody else because they might relapse or they might, you know... What do you think? That's what I was going to go... Mostly what's going through my head is, God. we need to give this
1: person a chance. Yeah, well, you're a
0: much better person than (laughs) me. No, no. Not at all.
1: You're right. What is the cynical point of view? What do employers tend to do?
0: You know, do I want somebody who's a bit emotionally fragile, maybe... Or do and you know might have other things going on other than Maybe. the job, or do I want to hire this person that is just the job? Yeah, you know. I mean, somebody was saying in
2: the um, the last event, I've got chronic fatigue and I've started a job and I can't do all the hours that I have to do or traveling or. Well,
1: chronic fatigue is like the worst thing you can have for an employer because basically, secretly, we've all kind of got chronic fatigue. I mean, my dear friend, I love him dearly, Doug. If you listen to this, but. You know, he's been out of work and suffering from, you know, some, I guess, I can't, you can't believe he's got mental health issues because he's an amazing guy. But, you know, he struggles. And I remember him talking about, I just, you know, some days I just can't get out of bed. And that's the problem. I'm being cynical and I shouldn't in that thing. But as an employer, you know, chronic fatigue, it's undi- it's, um, it's a syndrome, isn't it? You can't even call it, it's not a disease. So you can't even get a diagnosis. And my wife works at Fox Court as a doctor dealing with. And there's a real problem in the system is if you can't get a diagnosis, the system can't really help you and you end up in in luckily there's people like her sitting there as, as, with a judge going no this person's got some real issues because you can tell if you talk to them for long enough but i mean yeah cancer's all often combined with chronic fatigue isn't it yeah you
2: know? and i think as well people we were talking about this this morning as a team we we're talking about how we talk about the charity and how we always lead with the this is trek stock and this is what we do and this is why we do it and actually it's coming back to the fact that acute care is there to, the hospital is there to fix and to treat and to Mm. make sure that somebody goes through, you know, through the process and is treated and then is then back into the world. Um, But people always say, I didn't know that I should have asked the doctor about early onset menopause or fertility issues after cancer or whether I could have kids because wow. now I've realized I can't, or mm. or all the all the things that they could possibly ask because no one's telling them. Well, we're trying to. We're a small charity. We should be like, to. we're Trek
1: stop. We're here to get you back on track. Is that what you say? Yeah. Then you well can- there's
2: our new line Yeah. We always we For do talk we do talk about our the things that we do as you know if you go on a trek and you've got your backpack and you put all your stuff in the backpack. And you use some of it, and then you use another bit. And then when you get to the top of the mountain, you know, you've used it. But it's the bit that's coming down the mountain. So you reach the summit, and there's all the celebration and the highs of that. But it's often the coming down that's the hardest part. It's the
1: worst, yeah. I mean, I've got this silly theory that I think the Church of England has got a beautiful opportunity here. They've got all these nice buildings. When I'm really upset, I'm not religious, but the few times in my life I've been through some proper, proper shit, like life and death stuff, I end up in a fucking church. I end up sitting in a church in this quiet place. And you know what I really want to happen? I really want some old guy with a beard to come out and be like, I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm not going to mention it sounds like Jesus. Sounds like you want God to come no, no, out. No, no, I'm a not going to. Well, it doesn't have to beard. be a beard, but you I was imagining a a... They could be a woman, they could be a man. I'm just being a stereotypical No, hey, you want God. No, I just don't want to admit it. I just want someone to come out and say, I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. But, you know, as a guy, are you okay? You know what I mean? I, you know, I use it, the image of what i it's the
0: Deus Ex Machina if that helps.
1: Oh is it yeah. no but I'm not I'm definitely not looking for God. Um I'm, I'm the, the point I'm trying to say is how do you, you know is it is that somewhat what you're trying to do is is deal with the mental side basically for them.
2: The mental physical and the psychological psychosocial so we've got um we're talking about we do um coaching and menopause coaching and programs and it's about we're talking this morning about some new activities of work that we're doing about helping people be present and where and how we can support them to move forward when they've been yeah their life has literally been run off the tracks but it's everything yeah it's mental and physical.
1: The upside I guess is they're younger so they likely recover quickly and they've got you know, yeah. have, you know, if you're gonna have, you know, if something shit happened to you, it's you know, good that you've got a chance to get going. Is that true? All of that? Yeah, or?
2: it's yeah, it's people. It's people are living longer and living better through. They're living through cancer and they're living longer. But then we also support people who had cancer as a child and now they're in their twenties or thirties and they've got the late effects of having cancer as a child.
1: Which means just the damage it reaped on them, or.
2: They're having, still having surgery, they're still having treatment, they're still having... Oh, because they're still managing. They're still managing the symptoms, yeah. So there's people who are diagnosed in their 20s or 30s, people who are diagnosed but have late effects in their 20s or 30s from a childhood cancer, people who um, have are presenting late and have um, um, late-stage cancers, um, and then the other thing is people who, we have a whole group of people who we support who have... Um, treatable yet incurable cancers so they're living for years and years and years with cancers that Mm. they, they know that there's nothing that they can do
0: and now a quick word from our sponsor Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK. And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. The great thing about Trekstock or the way they do it is the kind of link-ups. It's probably worth talking about the kind of link-ups with music. And with with sort of famous musicians and yeah. bands and stuff, because it's kind of it's doing. You know, I listen to who they're they're linking up with, and I never know who any of them are because I'm, I really don't <laughs> half the time.
1: How do you use the artist? Do you use it what to promote, or is it so, they sort of come and visit, or
2: so we so we have something called merch for good. And it's a t shirt label. And we ask artists very nicely to donate a design. And we did, we launched a collection for World Cancer Day and we had The Cure, Glass Animal. Now, The Cure, um, I do know, just to be clear, Robert Smith.
0: <laughs> Robert Smith
2: was incredible. He was emailing in capitals going, please make it circle 5% bigger. We were like, yes, Robert Smith, yes, Robert Smith, oh, our art department, really which what? was like, us on Canva going, ah, we need to make this 5% bigger for Robert Smith. Um, so we've had some amazing artists and that's what, so we've started a startup merchandise operation, which is probably a huge thing to do with.
1: Are you manufacturing it in the UK or is it? Uh, we are. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Ch- 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 uh, t-shirts from... Um, I can't even say it. it's
2: print on demand, so on we demand. don't hold stock, yeah, because I have a box of block party t-shirts from mm. ten years ago, which we never sold, and you know you pay all the money for the mm. screen printing yeah. which is really yeah. nice. but it's print on demand, and it's as sustainable as we can get them Market. recyclable packaging. We ship globally and we've worked, I think we've got about 50 designs in the store from editors, Bon Iver, Ellie Goulding. We're launching at Mel C on Friday.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> um,
2: and some other bands, yeah. So that So we're trying to grow this because we're hoping that this can be a sustainable income stream for the charity. So when everything is so uncertain with raising money, we know that this can be, you know, every day we're selling T-shirts, we're putting money back into the charity.
1: It's perfect. You, need, you, you, you definitely need an income stream, although it's taxable probably because it's not. Uh, if it's the purely. Anyway, I can't believe I'm doing this. If it's purely <laughs> if for the charitable aims. 80, it's
0: yeah.
2: purely for the charity it's aims. It's just possibly. very
0: hard to raise money for most charities and particularly charities like Trekstock where people's response is quite often, well, shouldn't the government be doing that? Really? Is that people's yeah. response? When you say, I'm I'm doing a walk, can you sponsor me or whatever? It's, you know, people will come up with reasons not to donate money.
1: I mean, that's an interesting question. Do you think the government should be doing more there? I mean, it's sort of, it's like someone said, what is the budget for people's health care? It's like, I mean, I don't know. You come off the travelator at 25, that sounds terrible. But what's the hospital's duty? I don't know.
2: Well, the hospitals don't have capacity or funding to fund no. the aftercare, and it's the aftercare which is and the psychological so important.
1: But aftercare, I don't want to be in a hospital for aftercare, really, do I? So it's sort of outpatient care, isn't it?
2: It's the psychological. and So, for example, we have cancer rehabilitation trained personal personal trainers, instructors, and we put people through an exercise programme, and there's people who have had a stomach cancer and not been able to move and climbed a mountain and you know got their confidence back and so it's it's basically getting people moving again
0: but yeah, i, we did, a, I did a walk funding. on the jurassic coast with them yes and literally i was in fucking tears <laughs> and all these <laughs> people, people that <laughs> have had cancer were like striding away up these hills and i was like <laughs> in tears <laughs> we had back. to have a word with ourselves right. <laughs> get your
1: t-shirts and what was that called merch
0: merch for good
1: merch for good, merch
0: for good. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to Sophie for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and find us on socials, at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.